sovereignty of God worldview. Uh, that is, to me, if you, you take that to the extreme, you, you could might as well become a Muslim, uh, extreme Islamic person. And uh, it's the will of God if this bomb goes off, and the bomb doesn't go off, it must not have been the will of Allah. And so they just, it, that extreme worldview of the sovereignty of God can really negatively impact your life. It really impacts your life. It's a perversion, but for some, that's their worldview. So imagine you have a, a worldview where you probably know some people that are very, very paranoid. And everything's, it's just fear. What's going to happen? And everything's a conspiracy theory. We have this one lady that calls us, God bless America. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, it's all I can do to not hang up the phone because it just, it's, it's like everything's it's a, a, a scam. Everything's a... Uh, a conspiracy theory and the government's out to they're spying on this or spying on that and I'm like let them spy on me I don't care what they're gonna say they might get saved I don't know what, the, what they're gonna see I don't know what I'm not hiding anything but um, but anyway but they, they're so paranoid that everyone's out to get you uh, everyone's spying on you nobody likes you and this whole fear paranoia uh, goggles they're wearing and that person is really bound up in fear and they can't enjoy life. Even life's going good. They can't enjoy it because they knock on wood. Something bad must be around the corner. Okay? That's a real stronghold. And it's, but for some, that's their worldview. That's the only life they know. So how we're raised, or how our parents raise us, our teachers, people around us, how we are raised is that makes a big part of the development of how our worldview, uh, how we see our worldview. It's what we've, how we were raised, what we've heard, what we've been taught, through our grandparents, teachers, whatever, if they see life this way, you usually end up seeing life the same way. At Crossnor, those kids were raised that if you punch me, I'm going to punch you back. And, uh, you know, they, they start quoting eye for an eye stuff. And I'm like, well, how's that working out for you? You know, <laughs> I know you're doing that, but how's it working? Not working so good, is it? So um, in uh, the, the lenses we wear will determine how we see God, how we see others, and how we see ourselves. So your perspective on life has a major impact on your life. It's a major. It affects everything you do. It can affect your peace of mind, how much you can actually sleep, how you pray, how you talk to God, how you, what job you can and can't do or whatever. If you go to school, if you don't go to school, and it can affect decisions in your life that it should never even have an access to touch. God should have access to touch those, but not your fear, paranoia, or anything else. So we know from Scripture... Um, that there's a veil that covers our heart, the hearts of those who read the Old Testament, and that veil is only removed through Christ. You guys know, remember that verse? Also know that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So one of the, the goals of the devil is to alter your perspective of reality. If you can alter your perspective of reality, he's got you in a stronghold, and he can hold you there, and you're, you're trapped in it. Because really, you're in agreement with that perspective. And if you're in agreement with that, you, you empowered him, and he's got you locked up. And so some people, they go through life, and it's all it's all only reality they know. It's all they know, that this is how it is. This is how it was for my grandma. This is how it was for my great-grandma, my grandfather. And this is how it be for me. Well, I want to introduce you to someone, and his name is Jesus. And he's the ultimate paradigm shift. He's the ultimate change of all perspectives. And uh, it can't be Grandma Sue or Uncle Ben or anybody else. It has to be God setting the tone, setting the stage of your perspective of what is right, what is wrong, what is true, what is false. You have to have an absolute, and the absolute is found in the Word. The absolute is found in Christ. Amen? It's kind of like, uh, you know, you go into a hall of mirrors at those fairs. They have these different mirrors or at Disney and stuff, different parks. 
and uh, you get this one mirror and it makes you look like super tall and the other one looks, makes you look like a little dwarf real short and then it can make you look really skinny and make you look like four feet wide and then they can make your head look big and your body look small and vice versa and all those mirrors, they distort the reality of how you see yourself. And that's one of the devil's main goals of life is to distort the image of how you view yourself. Distort the image of how you see others and distort the image of how you see God. If, you, if you're always paranoid, they, they walk into your room like, oh, they were talking about me. Oh, they must be mad at me. You're paranoid. No man knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of God in the man. You don't know what they were saying. You don't know what they were thinking. And if they were, give them the benefit of the doubt. God bless them and move on with your life. If they get nothing better to talk about, well, that's their deal. They don't have, doesn't have to become your deal. Amen? I'm just saying. All right, so uh, for example, let's look at some perspectives. If you see yourself as a sinner, right, uh, that's going to really affect your reality. Uh, versus seeing yourself as a saint of God who sometimes sins. Doesn't practice sin, but sometimes you mess up and you sin. There's a big difference of seeing yourself as a sinner. Sinners go to hell. Do you know that? I mean, that's that. the sinners go to hell. Saints go to heaven. Saints are sons and daughters of God. You don't have to do them like the Catholics do. You have to be, do this many miracles, and you have to wait till you're dead, like, uh, I don't know, 50 or 100 years, and then they make them a saint. You're a saint when you receive Jesus. You're the, you're the saint, the, the righteousness of God comes inside of you. You are a saint. And you can still do miracles too, but that's, you don't earn it. You earn your sainthood through the miracles. You get it through Christ. So seeing yourself as a sinner or a saint is really going to change your perspective on how you pray, how you, how you even sleep in the night. Now I lay me down to sleep. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, pray my, I'm not going to even finish that. But uh, God loves you. Okay, if you see God as angry, it's going to alter your spiritual reality. He's always angry. Or you see God as hard to please, that's going to really change. You're going to have to have this, this legalistic relationship with God where you have to work harder, this new work harder theology kind of thing. Work harder, do more, do this, do that, pray more, fast more, read more, blah, 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 more. And then the more never becomes, there's no end to the more, right? And that perspective is going to make you so weary in well-doing that you're going to lose the fire and the passion of love of just being with Jesus. You can be with Jesus 24-7. You don't have to designate your little block times of whatever, right? He's always with you, amen? Um, how about this one? If you see others through critical, judgmental, or accusational perspectives, jealousy, or any kind of envy, strife, all those things the Bible talks about, and you see your friends or people around you through those eyes, that's going to greatly impact your relationship with your friends. And it's going to greatly impact if they enjoy being around you. If you're always suspicious, well, where were you? What were you doing? Why didn't you call me? Why didn't you text me? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, this is too much work to be a friend with you. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm trying to be friends, but you just don't trust me. You know? or, uh, but also, it's going to also affect how you view yourself. If you are suspicious, you don't trust people, you know, you have that uh, accusational thing going on, how you judge them, you're going to also judge yourself. So internally, when you're not even thinking about it, you're going to have these self-accusations, self-judgment, critical thinking, critical thoughts, judgmental attitudes, suspicion, jealousy, whatever the words are, against yourself and not trust yourself. Do you know you have a relationship with yourself? Is that a weird thought? Was for me, God kind of said, 
it's going to filter and alter the relationship that you have with yourself. Do you know that I saw this some uh, some studies I was doing this week that you you some studies suggest that you have around 4,000 self-talk type thoughts per minute uh, on average going through your head in a day. 4,000. And they're not always in complete sentences because you know yourself better so you can use little short codes with yourself and little things and stuff. You laugh, but you all do it. I mean, you definitely do, all right? Okay, I got to do this, and then I got to do that, and then I got to go to Walmart, then I got to, you know, and stuff like that. And uh, Chris Fountain said that 80% of your self-talk is negative. So it's critical, judgmental, fault-finding, all that kind of stuff. That's why having a godly perspective is very, very important in our lives. Because we are naturally prone to believe evil. We're naturally prone to believe good. I mean, not believe good. We believe the bad stuff. And someone tells you a good report, like, well, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe that's true. You could tell someone an actual miracle story. Someone was healed from whatever. And they could literally look in the eye and say, well, I don't believe it. Because they're prone. You tell someone died in a car wreck. They'll say, oh, yeah, I believe it. What's they believe in? They believe in what they see. So um, having godly perspectives, godly realities, is very important for us to enjoy a, a healthy life. Healthy life with each other. Healthy life with God. Amen? So in John 8, 31, I think we should have that for the screen. Yeah. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, one, you guys are very familiar with this verse, but one of the definitions for truth in this verse is the word reality. It says, you will know my reality, and my reality will make you free. Your reality is not going to make you free. The reality of your situation isn't going to help you. It isn't going to build your faith up. You don't get faith by looking at the reality of the situation, the circumstance in front of you. You get your faith from looking at God's reality. God's word is his reality, amen? There's alternate realities out there. There's, but those realities will keep you in bondage. But it's God's reality, his perspective, that will set you free. Amen? So, you know, probably one of the biggest themes I think Jesus preached on in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? He often repent and told the disciples, go preach this. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In Mark 1, 14, it says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Okay? So the time's fulfilled. The time's right now. This is 2,000 years ago plus. The kingdom of God is here right now. Okay? Uh, in order to walk in the kingdom, we must repent and believe. And I think we have to repent really repent in order to actually believe. Not to, but if you don't understand the definition of repent, then it's going to be tough for you to come to agreement with what God's saying here. For many of us, we're raised, repent means you're going in one direction and you need to turn, repent, and start walking in the other direction. So you're walking towards sin and now you need to turn and start walking the other direction. And that's a good thing to do. I'm not telling you to walk into sin. That's a good form of of sin management, but I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind when, he's, when he, was, he was telling us to do this, okay? The word repent actually is the word metanoia in the Greek, and meta means to change, and noia means your mind. You need to change how you think. Not just change what you think about, but change the way that you think. Change the way that you think about the kingdom. The kingdom of God isn't this far-off, distant place. He said it's, his hand, it's a hand. It's as close as your hand is to your face. 
It's close. It's right here, right now. When you feel it, when you don't feel it, when you feel the anointing, when you feel the goosebumps, you feel whatever, to pray for the sick, pray for somebody, it makes no difference because the kingdom of God is this close to you 24-7 every day of the week. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here, right now. It's for today. Amen? So Jesus said, change how you think and believe the gospel. Change how you think, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Agree with heaven. Agree with what I say unto you. If I say you can do this, Peter, you can do it. If I say you can walk on that water, you can walk on that water. If I say bring the bread to me and I'll multiply it, I'm going to multiply the fish and the bread. That's the kingdom reality. The kingdom reality, there is no lack. The kingdom reality, there's no jealousy. There's no fault finding. There's no competition between us as friends. There's the kingdom of God. There's more than enough to go around for everybody with 12 basketfuls left over. He's the God of El Shaddai, not El Chipo. He's God of more than enough. Amen? That's not in his list of redemptive names, El Chipo, is it? But El Shaddai is the God of more than enough. So we have to change the way we think to come into agreement with God, to think like heaven, to walk in the things he wants us to walk in. So you repent first, and then it says you can believe. Some people think they can't believe. Well, you need to repent. They, they repent to them means you need to go to the altar and cry for 30 minutes, make a big snot puddle there on the, on the carpet and everything, and everyone's feeling sorry, but they're really having an encounter with God right now. No, you're not. I mean, some of them might be. I, won't say, I can't say that bluntly. But some of them are not. They're putting on a hissy-fissy show, look at me, and then they're going to go out and sin like the devil the very next minute. They have no intention of change. They want to put on a show for people. And Jesus said, your reward is, that's your reward. You do that in publicly, there's your reward. People get to, wow, are they righteous. Praise God. Look at them cry. Hallelujah. But there's no transformation. There's no power of God to break addictions. There's no power of God in their life because they're not turning and changing how they think to think like God this has a real change. I'm all fine. You want to cry at the altar. I've had, I've had encounters with God at the altar. I'm not belittling that, but I'm telling you, sometimes it's just a facade, and they think that's the answer to get to this destination of whatever. And uh, you have to repent, repent, repent. It's cry, cry, cry. No, it's not. Change how you think. You have control of that. You have control of how you think. Now, you will get bombarded with thoughts. You will get bombarded with accusations. You'll get bombarded at times from friends and family. It will come from every direction. But you still have power, dominion, and authority to choose how you are going to think. Amen. It's your real estate in your head. You don't have to rent out space to anybody. Except the Lord, you don't have to rent that. You can give them free access. Amen? They do not have to have real estate in your head. There's an NBA player. He's, he's funny. Joel, in, indeed. And uh, he just got in a fight a few days ago for any NBA basketball players. And He's, he told, he's a seven-footer, he's a huge guy, and he's like, uh, that guy, he's, he's totally afraid of me. They were punching each other. It was a real, it was a pretty bad fight. And he's like, I own real estate in that guy's head. <laughs> he said that, right? I'm like, wow. So their next team will be quite interesting whenever they play again. But, um, you know, we give people real estate in our heads sometimes. But what are they going to think? Well, what would you do? Who cares sometimes? I mean, I, I'm not talking about being rude. I'm talking about you have to care about your own personal mental health. And what does God think about the situation? Get a God perspective. And God loves people. So you get God's perspective. He's not going to be talking critical or judgmental about that person, even if they're treating you bad. He's going to give you the solution of it's not in fear. It's not in worry. It's not in doubt and unbelief. It's, hey, Father, what's the answer here? How do I love them right? How do I get this gooey, gucky feelings out of here so I can just forget this and just love them? And he has the answer to that every single time. He has the answer. In Romans 12, 2, 
says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't think like them. Don't think like the world. But be transformed by renewing your mind. This is something you have to do. And then, only then, will you be able to tell what's his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know the will of God in certain situations? Transform your mind. Think like God. Right? Think like God. Amen. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You should think like your father. You can look like him. You can walk like him. You can talk like him. It doesn't matter who your earthly parents were. It doesn't matter what, what, what side of the tracks you were born on. Doesn't, none of that matters. It's when Christ is in you now. You can agree with heaven, and your life will be transformed. But it's going to start right here, changing how you think. How you think about others, how you think about God, and how you think about yourself. If you think of yourself as a loser, you're, you're no good for nothing, no one likes me, no one whatever, that is not a victorious lifestyle of thought processes. That's not going to bring you into victory. It doesn't matter what Jesus paid for. It doesn't matter, matter what the sacrifice of the cross that he made if you don't agree with what he did for you. Amen. You have to agree with it. So God's word has to be the final authority in every decision we make in life if you want to walk in real freedom. It can't be just like, well, that's a good idea. Uh, it's, that's a good suggestion. Uh, it's the word. It's, it's outdated. Uh, it's, it was good back then, but it's just a suggestion book now, like the PC USA has done. Uh, uh, that's the Presbyterian Church of the United States of America. It's just a suggestion book. They just, whatever doesn't fit with their whatever, they just, well, we can just rip that page out. We can just pull this out. It doesn't make a difference. Are you here? Are you here? Okay. Yeah, I'm not PC. I'm definitely not <laughs> politically correct. But I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter what denominational church tells you, whatever, or what this church says. or anyone, What does God say? What does his word say? Amen? And we don't have the right to rip out pages we don't like or don't understand. God will not violate his word. He might violate your understanding of his word, but he will not violate his word. Amen? So in, uh, in Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? If you'll say Jesus, Lord, but he says... I want you to go pray for that person. Nah, don't feel like it. Now, listen to my heart, please. I'm not trying to put any guilt on you or condemnation. You, we, you struggle that enough already. We have to fight that off already. I'm, so I'm not trying to add that to you. But our, is it Lord, Lord, if he says to do something, we say, nah. Now, I've done the nah lots of times, okay? I've done the yeah, and I've done the nah. I pray for someone in a wheelchair in Florida at Walmart. Um, a young girl, 18, 19, her name was Brittany. And uh, she was in a car accident. The truck flipped, and she had some spinal damage. And she was supposed to walk in a year or so. But you know what? I'm thinking of Mitzi Huffman when I'm thinking, praying for that girl. Honest, honest to God, I'm just like I'm praying for Brittany. But in my head, I'm still I'm I'm praying for Mitzi. At the same time, <laughs> I'm just telling you. And uh, so I did, I believe God touched her. I didn't ask her to walk right then or get up right then because we're in the ice cream aisle, and it's a pretty popular aisle in, <laughs> in Walmart. People like ice cream. I do too, but. Anyway, but there's other times where God's asked me to pray for people or prophesy over people, and I was too scared. I was too scared. Well, what if my word's not good enough? Or what if I can't think of the right thing to say? Or what if they're not healed? And what if the this and that? And it's like, and this verse is challenging to me, and it should be. How can I call him Lord, Lord, if I'm not going to do what he asked me to do? And how are we going to walk in the freedom that he wants us to walk in if we're not going to come into agreement with what he says? How can two walk together, the Bible says, unless they're in agreement? We've got to agree with God. So true repentance is making Jesus the absolute Lord of your life and the final decision, final say in all decisions that we make. It's like sanctification we, the Bible talks about, right? 
So um, I know we all have room for growth to say again, not condemning anybody. But let me give you a few examples of this. If you find yourself living out, uh, living outside of a gospel truth where the word is true in the Bible, but it doesn't feel true to you, well, let me show you a few examples of those. Um, let's say you struggle with believing that your sins are actually forgiven. You know the Bible says it. You've, you, we sang the songs today. You've sang them since you were a little kid. But deep down in your heart of hearts, you don't fully believe that Jesus actually forgave you of all your sins. You think, well, maybe he did some or all of these ones because I forgive myself for those. But this one here, I don't know if he can do that. Well, guess what you need to do? Repent. Metanoia. Change how you think. Come into agreement with what God said. And then you believe the gospel and you walk in freedom. But as long as you think your sin is the greatest sin in the world and God's blood couldn't possibly touch your sin because you are whatever, you're so special and your sin is the, you know what I mean? It's a prideful thing. If he says that your sins and your lawless deeds I will remember no more, though they were like scarlet, I'm going to make them white as snow. If he says as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed your transgressions, your sins from you, then that's what he did. And you have to metanoia, change how you think, come into agreement with what he said to walk in the freedom and the liberty that he paid for. He could die a hundred times, and if you don't agree with it, it's not going to do you any good. Okay? Um, let's say you struggle with the thought that he dances over you with singing. I know that when I first read that verse, like, well, he must be just talking about Zechariah, you know, or this from Zechariah and the book of Zechariah, or, uh, you know, he can't be talking about me. You know, and, but he is. So you have to think about God thinks of you, and he dances over you when he thinks of you. So he likes to dance, just so you know. It's not just an African thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's multicultural, even though I definitely struggle there. I give my best is something like this. <laughs> I got to ask Nancy, maybe Pastor Henry can give you some lessons next week on how to dance. But anyway... Um, but, uh, oh, man, I lost it. But, uh, oh, yeah, he dances over you with singing. But if you picture God in heaven is smiling, he's dancing, and he's singing songs about you over you, it's tough to believe that he's angry and mad at you and ready to hurt you when you can see him in your mind's eye, your imagination, that he's dancing over you with singing. And whether you believe he's angry or you believe he's dancing, those two perspectives are going to have a major effect on your life. How you live, how you pray, how you expect to believe, to receive from a grungy, stingy God or an over-generous God that just can't pour enough blessings on you and enough blessings on you. And he's not the God of just enough. He's the God of more than enough. Amen? So we, when, what you do if you struggle with believing that word, you need to repent. Metanoia. Change how you think. Let his word be the final authority in, in, what you, what you, what, in your life. Not what you feel. We've let our feelings become the final authority in our life, and they're, they're fickle. They change hundreds of times a day. Good to bad, all, all the soul, all everywhere. Feelings is not supposed to be the guiding factor of our life. It's God's word, God's spirit, amen? This will bring stability, that anchor to your life. So remember, it's God's reality that will set you free. Let me ask you these questions. How good is the gift of God in you? I'm telling you, something really has stirred in you guys today, because this stirred me when I was writing this. How good is the gift of God in you? Is it not enough? Is it just barely enough? Or is it more than enough? Now, I know intellectually you can all tell me the right answer. 
but do you know it in your heart is the question. And metanoia is going to take it from here to here. I mean, it has to go to here. Anyone can answer the right question. We all know, Jesus, in Sunday school, we know the right answer. But saying the right answer and knowing the answer, living out the answer is another whole thing. So how, how good is the gift of God? How good is the gift of righteousness? How good is eternal life in you? Is it not enough for you individually? Just barely enough. You're going to squeak into that pearly gates, maybe. Like that's the end goal of life, and it's not. The end goal of life is getting heaven into you, not you into heaven. And the heaven's coming down to here eventually too, right? So <laughs> it's not, that's not the goal. So is it not enough, just barely enough, or is it more than enough? How you see that is going to change your life. How you view that. How about the gift of faith? Is it not enough? Just barely enough? Or in you more than enough? Or how about the gift of healing? Or divine health? Or God's provision in your life? For every need that you're going through? Whatever will come up. Is it not enough? Or just barely enough? I'm going to just barely get there. Or is it El Shaddai? The God of more than enough. Who is God to you? He'll be through you. It's we don't know God in his full extent. And our situation or circuit can change as we met the noise, change how we think we see him, where he truly is, and it changes our circumstances, situations. It's called faith. But we can't have faith without the right, uh, without right repentance, changing how we think and then believe it. Or how about the gift of prophecy? You know, is it not enough? Just barely enough or more than enough? Well, I don't feel the tingles right now. Or I don't feel the, the goosebumps going up my neck, so I can't possibly say this to so-and-so. I don't know what I'm going to say. You never know what you're going to say. Gosh, you don't even know what you said after you said it. You can't remember. <laughs> it's, like, it's like coming out of your mouth in faith and like, hope this makes sense. And praise God, they didn't die. They think they liked it. I'm good. <laughs> but, if you, but you look at it, it's not enough or is it just enough or more than enough you know in first corinthians i don't know if it's 12 or 14 one of those time with the gifts that he gives out he says he gives them out to each one uh each gift in proportion to your faith so he said if it is so if it's a gift of prophecy let them prophesy in proportion to their faith so it doesn't say the gift was smaller in some people or bigger in other people the gift is the same it's the proportion of your faith that changes so if you can change how you think you can change the not enough just barely enough to more than enough, your faith will increase, that gift will come even more alive, and you'll be able to prophesy on demand. On demand. And pray for people on demand. So in Luke 17, 20, it says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. It's at hand, but it's in you. How much closer do you need? But if you're trusting your feelings over the word, like you're like, I don't have enough. I, I, I don't have enough. Then you're, feeling, then you're picking up in your emotions, all tank. Like, I'm not personally feeling enough. But is the gift of God in you enough? Amen? All right. So a couple more things I want to share with you. In uh, Luke 7, 28, For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. John the Baptist wasn't in the kingdom. He was born under the law. 
He didn't live under grace and faith and grace and truth. He lived the, the last, Jesus said he was the best and last prophet of the Old Testament prophets. The kingdom of God is us. So no matter how little you feel about yourself, no matter how much you belittled yourself and agreed with that lie, that distortion of that mirror, you, you, you look stumpier or something in your own mind's eye, you need to get a new mirror, which is the word of God, right? But no matter how you feel the least or whatever, you are still greater than John the Baptist and everybody else in the Old Testament. Because John was better than all the rest. So, and, and, we're, and it's not better because we're better people, but it's better because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. They did not have that. You have the advantage over them. You're greater than John the Baptist. What's in you is greater than John had. Um, in Zechariah 12, 8, it says, in, the last, in that day the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The one who is feeble among them in that day shall be like David, and the house of David shall be like God like the angel of the Lord before them. Okay, all right. So David, the weakest in our tribes, will be like David. And David was pretty strong, wasn't he? Remember the songs these, the ladies used to sing? Saul killed his thousands, but David, he's killed his tens of thousands, right? This guy is strong. The weakest in our tribe is going to be like David, but the others are going to be like the sons of like God and like the angels of God. There's a strength that's in us, guys, that I don't know if we've been quite made aware of yet to the depths of our soul of who we really are now on this planet in Christ. There's a, there's a strength in us. He's prophesying about it in Zechariah. He talked about it in the other chapters. And it's greater is he who's in us than he that's in this world. In every situation of life, the greater one still lives in you. No matter what you feel or experience or what you see with your eyes, the greater one lives in you. In you. He's not like in me this much or this much and you only this. No, he's in you. But if you don't agree with him, you got to change how you think. I'm going to finish with, with this. Is Christ in you not enough, just enough, or more than enough? Again, don't answer from your head because I know we all know the right answer. All right, I'll give you a brownie sticker later, right? Or a brownie badge later. But is Christ in you? Is it not enough, just barely enough to squeak in there, or more than enough? Listen to what Romans 5, 17 says. For if by the trespass of the one man, that's Adam, death reigned through that one, how much more will those who receive God's cheap provision of grace, oops, I messed up there, God's what? Abundant. Abundant. Now is that just enough, more than enough? His abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We are called to rule and reign on this planet right now. Not when we die and get to heaven. We're going to do it there too. But we're called to reign in life now through Jesus, not through us. It's the greater one that's in us. We get to rule and reign through him. It's a reign of dominion and it's a reign of love. And it's a reign of victory. Amen? Listen now. this is worded in the Passion Translation. It's, it's awesome. Death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. I like that. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah? Guys, you have a heavenly calling. 
And in order to walk in that heavenly calling, we have to come into agreement with what God says about you. It's called faith. It's not emotions. It's not emotionalism. It's not emotionally the deciding factor of who you are or what you can or can't do. It's what God says goes. And when you come into agreement with that, you'll do amazing things. You'll sit back and go, I can't believe I just did that. And really, you really didn't do it. You just got to be there when it happened. Like you pray for someone that was blind. When David Mark, when I pray for that lady, she was totally blind in Uganda. Neither one of us healed that lady. Jesus healed her. We just got to be there to see it and film it and stuff. It was awesome, right? It's the same thing. You get to see the things of God because the king lives inside of you. Amen? So um, praise God that Christ in you and his perfect gift of righteousness is more than enough for you and for me, no matter how you feel about yourself. That is the fact. That is God's reality. And when you agree with God's reality, your reality will change as you metanoia, change your mind and think like him. And his, his reality, says, will set you free. From what? These alternate realities. These fake realities. These lies. These distorted mirrors. Different colored glasses and things. All those things that can distort your vision will be removed as you come into agreement with what God said about you is true. You are the healed of the Lord. You are saved and set apart. You're facing Christ. You are... Uh, perfected forever by the sacrifice of the one Jesus Christ forever if you have trouble reading those verses again go back and metanoia meditate on them until it's reality that you are right now because his sacrifice was that good it was more than enough more than enough because you, your spirit is now perfected once for all time forever that's what happened to you you are not yourself anymore. You have, a, you have a new, there's a new man in town. The old Mark Young died. The new Mark Young is resurrected from the dead in a newness of Christ. The new David Mark knew all of you. Die, the old man died, and now you're resurrected in Christ. There's a new sheriff in town, amen? His name is Jesus. Will you guys stand? I'm going to bless you. Now, because Christ is in us, we can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens us. He strengthens us, Amen? Uh, I want to invite um, the people, our, our guests here today. I know you probably didn't know what the fellowship meal, but we do have one. We have plenty of food, so I want you guys to stay if you can. Uh, I'm going to pray for the food while I'm here, too, so when you get back there, if it's ready, you can just our guests can go first, go through the line, and get, get some food, and we'll just have some good time getting to know each other. Amen? Well, God, I thank you for your word. And right now, we just choose to agree with what you say. You are smarter than us. You are wiser than us. Your reality is the ultimate truth of reality. In all other false realities, we renounce in Jesus' name. We come into agreement with your word. Your word is the way, the truth, and the life. You came to give us abundant life, and that life is in the Son. So God, we just renounce any other ways of living or any other thoughts of who you are that are contrary to your word and come into agreement with you. And I thank you, your reality sets us free. So I bless my friends, my family here today. I pray they remember this one. They would remember this one. So many sermons are easy to hear and easy to forget. I pray they remember this one, and we'd all put it into practice and change how we think to experience more freedom, but also so we can become more bold to release the kingdom everywhere we go.